time of year where we are reminded to start anew and that we go into this season of praying and waiting with great expectation, not only for Christmas, but for the ultimate consummation of your return, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that these truths would go deep into our hearts this season and that you would be revealed to us in new and refreshing ways, that you would take our minds and think through them, take my lips and speak through them, take our wills and bend them to your own and take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You know, it's become a thing, baby reveals. You know, uh, couples find themselves with child and they think of creative ways to reveal the gender to the family and friends. George and Rebecca were with, were with child and so they ordered from a bakery in Akron a special cake. And so they gave one to Zach and Mary's and we all were on FaceTime together from across the country. We were all in, in Zach and Mary's home and George and Rebecca are in New York. And so Ida Bell, being Ida Bell, you know, okay, Idy, take the cupcake and reveal whether this is a boy or a girl. And Idy starts licking the frosting. <laughs> and this is gonna take all day. Well, this is, you know, I love all my grandchildren but my granddaughter Penny eats like a man. And so we gave the cake to Penny and Penny was like, Wah! and just devoured it and there's pink all over her face. And it's like, and we're like, yeah, it's gonna be another girl. We're batting a thousand, you know, just nothing but girls in our family. It was great. And uh, you know, you've seen these reveals and it's fun. I'm kind of old school. I'll, I can just wait nine months, really. It's kind of fun to just go that way personally, but it was fun. And we've seen all these videos where these reveals have gone terribly bad, right? Really, I mean, you don't have to go far. I suggest you don't necessarily go search for them. But revealing is the theme for today in Paul's letter. Because the revealing that Paul speaks about to his, not only the Corinthian church, but to the church throughout history is one which gives us great hope, not only for today, but into eternal. And it will fuel our walk with Christ and one another as we go forward together. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're a guest with us, you'll find it in the back of your bulletin. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and honestly, Corinth, America is just like Corinth in many ways. We've, we've arrived there. The Roman Empire, you know, there's some things which haven't, thank God, but in other ways it is. You find churches that are cults of personality. That's what's going on in some sections of this Corinthian church. You have people that are professing Christians that are having sex outside of the covenant of marriage. You have great disruption in some Sunday services, and that's just to begin what's going on in the church of Corinth. And so this is as relevant today to us as it is to the Corinthians. So Paul begins his letter, and he's desiring to lay a foundation to remind the readers who they are in Christ and the hope that they have in Christ. And the first Sunday of Advent is the Sunday of hope. 
And I hope you walk away today with great hope, dear brothers and sisters, as we discover in this passage that all the spiritual gifts we have are totally complete. Secondly, that we have a great hope in a revealing, and this hope is sustaining. First, we're going to just work on verses 4 through 9 here to this morning. First, the, that the hope that we have is a complete, in the, we have all the gifts we have needed in Christ. Verse 4, Paul writes, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in, all, in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift. God had gifted the Corinthians with an identity to pour out on his blessings by enriching them, notice, in all speech and in all knowledge. In the ancient culture, it was important for them to be eloquent in their speech. And that he reminded them, you, you have every, no matter where you are in Christ, you have all the speech and knowledge that you have. You don't lack a thing. But rather than seeing these gifts for what they were, the Corinthians began to take pride in them, mistakenly assuming that their performance in Christ was the actual basis for their identity and how they articulated that in the way they spoke publicly. And we can see this by looking at the rest of the letter, the sources of the divisions that unfold throughout Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. For instance, verses 18 through 31 of chapter 1, they're more concerned with eloquent speech than grasping the true wisdom of God in Jesus Christ. In verses 10 through 17, Rather than finding unity in the knowledge they've received, they're divided in their minds among one another. They are overly concerned with pedigree and position. And as a result, they're choosing to lead with a competence in place of character. Gifts in place of grace. And this happens every time we unhinge our spiritual gift things from their God-given source. And we neglect to use them in the way that he intends us to use them in the community of Christ Church West Shore. Take an exceptional violinist, for example. She may be heads and shoulders above all others in her section. She may be first chair and be able to pull off amazing feats in the orchestra. However, if she becomes preoccupied with her gift, it ignores the responsibility and accepts the authority of the conductor as well as the community of the orchestra. She will end up playing something that draws attention to herself but is out of tune with the rest of the orchestra. She has a phenomenal gift as an individual, but her pride in her gift has hindered her from using it properly. The end result of leading with an aptitude instead of identity is communal disharmony. You see? So Paul is calling on the church in Corinth and, and even us today to recognize that each and every one have spiritual gifts 
and you don't lack anything. You have everything God calls you to. And if you don't know your spiritual gifts, take the spiritual gifts class the next time we offer it. Because we have everything we need in the church. And your gifts are desperately needed among us here at Christ Church West Shore. Secondly, we have a great hope. Notice the second half of that verse. Paul doesn't stop there. He says that, so verse 7, so that you're not lacking any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, waiting is an active part of living. Cody reminded us last week that waiting is an action verb. Waiting is not something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. While waiting, we cling to God rather than to our outcome. God knows what we need. We do not. God sees the future. We cannot. God will give us what is best for us when it is best for us. And sometimes when we're waiting for God to speak, he is waiting for us to listen. The only thing harder than waiting is wishing that we had. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so as a community, discerning our ministry to this community of Avon Lake and Avon the West Shore, we are in a season of waiting coming out of the Revive Weekend. And so it's important for us to remind ourselves that praying and waiting is the everyday work of the Christian. I know it's counterintuitive. Many of us are doers of the faith, and we, want see, we think we see needs. Well, that's what we ought to go do. But I think it would serve us well to, as Henry Blackaby would say, very affectionately in experiencing God, many of us think, don't just stand there, do something. Blackaby would say, no, don't just do something, stand there. Wait, pray, seek the Lord, and he will reveal where he's called us to minister to. So we're in this corporate season of praying and waiting. What better time than Advent? which is a season of waiting and praying and having the Lord open our eyes to see where he's at work around us. But as we wait, we're waiting for a greater advent. Amen? Paul is referring in this revealing of our Lord Jesus to Christ's second advent, his second coming. We heard him talk about it in the gospel. That there will be a time where our Lord will return. As sure as our Lord was raised from the dead, he will come physically again, as we say it every week in the creed, return to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. And I want to be crystal clear on this point, because I've discovered some of us don't understand what this means. When our Lord returns again, he's going to bring heaven to earth that the dead in Christ shall rise first to be reunited with, to, with the Lord in the air, and those who are alive at that time will then be taken up to meet him to return to the new 
earth where we will live physically forever with a new body. Just like we're looking at each other now, but I won't have this knee pain that I've had since 45. All right, and we'll have the gray hair falling out. We'll have a new body, and it'll be a new earth forever. There are some Christians, and this is a new theology that came out 150 years ago from the theology we call dispensationalism. It was very American, but Anglican Christians have never read it this way, that the Lord's going to come and rapture the people out. You see commercials. I saw a commercial about it just a couple weeks ago. They're raptured out. Chaos happens. There's a great tribulation. Cars are crashing. Planes are crashing. All these things are happening. And those who are left behind have a second chance to repent and believe because all the real Christians are gone. I don't read scripture like that. We've never read scripture like that here in the Anglican communion. We see it as when Jesus returns, game over. We view the tribulation as any time in church history from the time our Lord raised from the dead to the time that he's returned. And Jesus said, no one knows. Oh, you can go into some in-depth studies and I wonder, I do, you know. Ezekiel 38 and 39, Gog and Magog, maybe that's Iran and Russia, I don't know. They're all surrounding Israel right now. Israel is a, a country since 1948. Maybe this is the time, but I don't know. Okay, let's not go there. And our Lord reminded us to do one thing. Stay awake. That's all he said. Stay awake. Pay attention. We know that when it gets dark and the clouds appear, as he said, that's the signs of when he's actually coming. But I think it's a, a great thing to, it's a uh, thing we ought to avoid into picking those times. Certainly our Lord is coming soon. Uh, I don't know that. I hope he is. But that's selfish because I don't want to live with knee pain anymore. <laughs> What's, what we do know is that there will be wars and rumors of wars. Yes, there'll be a rise in anti-Semitism from Zechariah 12. Yes. But we don't know. Jesus said, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, at evening or at midnight, at cockcrow in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. But what I say to you, I say to you all, stay awake. And so I think it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, testimony to, to the gospel. And Peter reminding us that the, the day of the Lord is a thousand years. That it's, he's not slow as some consider slowness. Uh, a day of the Lord is a thousand years. That means it's only been a couple of days since our Lord rose again. So we're thinking, how long, O oh Lord, how long? Make this right. Because when he does return, all wrongs will be righted. It will be a day of great exhalation. Thank you. But not yet. Not yet. The Lord will come and will restore this world for himself. And the only reason he delays is because he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to everlasting life. Peter, that fisherman head, was filled with great wisdom. 
So it may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be a month from now, it may be a year from now, maybe 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. Stay awake. Let's be about it. And not only do we have this great hope to look forward to, brothers and sisters, but this hope finally will be a sustaining hope. Verse 8, because this gospel and this Lord who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is essentially saying, hey, Corinthian church, look. Hey, Christ church, you may appear to be falling apart at the seams at times, but the God who has called you has secured your past, your present, and your future. He is going to hold you together. So what does this mean for us? It means that our status as sanctified and as saints is not based on our performance in the Christian life. It's based on his performance. You've heard me say it. I borrowed from Tim Keller. It's not the quality of our performance. It's the object of our performance. It's the object of our worship. It means that our status is based on Christ. Our identity is sure because it was given to us by someone else. Our gifts are sure and sufficient because they were given to us by the gift maker. And our future is secure because it's been prepared for us by the one who holds the, our future in his hands. Because we live in such a performance-based culture, what did you do for me lately? It sounds strange to us. But the good news of Christ is an anomaly in a culture that runs on self-identity, self-definition, self-help, and self-revelation. But for those of us who have reached the bitter end of our identity searching, the end of competency maintenance and building for the future, it's the greatest news imaginable. Because in the gospel of Jesus Christ, God declares us presentable before he even looks at our record. The gospel says, stop striving to build an identity. You've been giving one free of charge in Jesus Christ. Because of the striving of another in another place, in your place, you no longer have to live in order to build an identity, but you can live into the identity that has been given to you in Jesus Christ. Middle school, senior high students, this is so counterintuitive to your generation's way of looking at identity. Don't buy it. You are precious in his sight. You were created in his image. You're a disciple of the living God with gifts that only you can exercise in his kingdom. Live into that. Adults, we would be quickly reminded that in our work environments, when all kind of things are constantly shifting, the love of God in Christ never shifts. He's there for us. And for our senior adults who are really struggling with seeing this world rapidly change the way it has, recognize that the church has been here before. It's just a modern-day Corinth. God has this, and God has us. You see, many Christians believe that hope 
is wishing for something that you're never going to get. I'm reminded of a story of a, super, a boy in a supermarket with his mother. And he asked his mom, hey, mom, can I have some chocolate chip cookies? And she said, yeah, not today, son. Uh, we're a little short on cash, and we're just going to get be in here real quick and get a few things. Well, he walks past the cookie aisle, and she goes, Mom, look, there's the cookies. Can I have some chocolate chip cookies? She says, no, son, I told you. There's, we're not going to get any chocolate chip cookies today. So she goes to the other end of the store, and he says, Mom, please, why won't you give me some cookies? And she says, boy, you're getting on my nerves. I told you, you're not getting any cookies today. And she began to shop. Pulled up to the checkout counter and said, Mom, please, can I have some cookies? I really want some cookies. She said, Son, if you ask again, you're going to get in trouble. Stop it. No cookies. So they get up to the counter. Little boy stands up in the cart and says, Lord Jesus, please, can Mom buy me some cookies? I'm starving. And I just want some cookies. And the other people in the checkout line, just get the boy some cookies for crying out loud. It's just a few bucks. She gets exasperated. She walks in, pulls the cart out, goes and gets some chips ahoy, comes back in line and gets some cookies. And as he pulls up the line, the little boy stands up in the line and says, Thank you, Jesus, for the cookies. Many Christians today are in the checkout line. They've checked out of the faith. They've checked out of the church. And some of us are in the checkout line holding out for hope. I want to encourage you as we're in the checkout line to wait, to pray, that God will do a great work in each and every one of us this Advent season like we've never seen before. And that you, we can pray for some cookies if you want. But the reality is we must not forget that it's his timing, not ours. And we must tell him that we're dependent upon him and reliant upon him to see us through. Don't check out just yet. Wait to see what God wants to do for you in the checkout line as he reveals himself to us in greater uh, manner than we've ever seen before. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this wonderful message that Paul gives not only the Corinthians but us that one day you will be revealed in your fullness, Lord Jesus, and that till that time you will sustain us to the end. And as we trust in you, we're guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ and that you're faithful to carry that out in us. We pray that if there be anyone among us here today that doesn't, this is a first realization of this, we pray that you would help them to understand it with greater profundity than ever before, that you have paid the price for us, Lord Jesus Christ, and you're going to come for your church one day. And so until that time, we can approach Christmas time with great anticipation that you are the greatest gift that anyone could receive of relationship with you, Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that relationship would be 
real to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.